following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. Luke chapter 1. Did anybody do any crazy shopping for that one-of-a-kind gift? Anybody that one of a, you were looking for that very special, anybody? Anybody want to admit it? Okay, listen, I've been looking for that special gift, and I have come up with some doozies. Uh, There's amazing. I saw just this week the blow-up motorized pool lounge chair, all right? So it's got two control levers, so you could kind of work your way around the pool with this motorized blow-up lounge chair, an incredible, awesome waste of $219. That's right. Also, have you heard of the custom needle felt dog? Now, this is basically you send pictures of your dog away, and they will make a stuffed animal exactly like your dog that could fit in your palm of your hand, and you can keep this for only $275.00. You can keep this and basically remember your dog, the dog that died, etc., and basically just admit that you're an idolater. There you go. Also, uh, have you heard about the long-distant bracelets? You get these bracelets, no joke, and you get two of them, and you give one to your spouse, or you give one to your boyfriend, or you give one to your girlfriend, and anywhere they are on planet Earth, They could be all the way over in New Zealand, what a crazy country, or India or whatever. They could be all the way over there, and all you have to do when you think of them is touch the bracelet, and then their bracelet will glow and vibrate. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Probably the termination of any relationship in the room as you're doing political maneuvering, you know, and all of a sudden your bracelet glows and is vibrating. You go, shut up! Okay, so anyway, that'd be interesting. Also, I found banana-saving hats. Anybody seen the banana-saving hats? Basically, you put these little hats on your bananas, and it keeps them more ripe instead of going, you know, all mushy and gross and everything. And my my view is, of course, just eat the bananas before they spoil. And then, obviously, in my hunt to find the perfect one-of-a-kind gift was the shower beer holder. That's right. You've got a beer, and you've got to take a shower... So you take your beer into the shower and you put it in the beer holder. Now, if you want that, if you're attracted to that, we have counseling provided here at FBC. So understand, along with all those things, and I was looking for some of the best, there are one-of-the-kind gifts, there are one-of-the-kind paintings, there are one-of-a-kind events, there are one-of-a-kind relationships, and there are one-of-a-kind announcements. And on Sunday... We looked at the one-of-a-kind announcement, the greatest announcement that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one-of-a-kind Savior who's going to basically be the Messiah of Israel. What did he proclaim? It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, and behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now this Christmas Eve, we're going to finish this paragraph with Mary's one-of-a-kind response highlighting the one-of-a-kind person, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who became a man, God who was born a man in Luke chapter 1, 
verses 34 to 38. Turn there if you're not there already, and I want you to read, if you can, from your outline. If you've been given an outline, most of you have, yes? Can you read out loud with me Luke 1, 34 to 38? Let's read it together. Here we go. Ready, everyone? Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who has called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This passage pointedly actually directs us to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, which is really on our minds at this Christmas Eve. This is foundational to genuine Christianity, and it is really the only way to explain how Christ could be actually fully God and fully man. Now, he had to be God for his sacrifice to be accepted by the Father, a holy Father, But he also had to be man in order to bear the punishment for sin of humankind upon himself. He had to be fully man to do that, to take our place, to be our substitute. And so therefore, in the perfect plan of God, that's exactly what's going on here. He is going to be born as a man, God himself, through the virgin birth of Mary, described in these five verses here, and they make up basically five major points, which we're going to travel through really, really fast. Here we go. Number one in your outline, Mary's sincerity of heart. Mary's sincerity of heart. Mary is shaken. Obviously, come on, an angel has appeared to you, all right, and announced that you're going to give birth to the Messiah, but you've never had relations with any man, and you're going, wait a minute, how is this going to happen? So she says, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin. Now, she's not doubting here, all right? She is actually uncertain about how this could possibly happen. Miracles are rare. You understand that God has not spoken for 400 years. There's been 400 years of silence since the closing of the Old Testament. We've got the angel appearing six months earlier to Zacharias and and his lovely bride, and now Elizabeth. And now the angel is here, but there's not a lot of this going on. And so she's asking, how is this possible? She, she knows that Gabriel's not describing, not describing how she could become pregnant naturally after marriage to Joseph. She understood that the mighty angel is saying that she would become pregnant while still being a virgin before she was intimate with her husband. So her question is really not doubting here. She is basically saying through, you know, what God is saying and through Gabriel, but her question is basically a request for an explanation. How do you explain this absolutely impossible event? So that leads us to number two in your outline, God's strategy for Christ. God's strategy for Christ. In response to Mary's request for clarification, Gabriel told her this in verse 35. The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will what? Come upon you. Now the Holy Spirit, you all know this, is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, third person of the Trinity, the very God who was involved in the creation of the world. Now we know that from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, which says this there in your outline, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of what? Spirit of God was moving on the surface of the waters. Now this is not surprising then, 
the Holy Spirit, who was the original agent of creation, is now going to be the agent of creation again, but this time in Mary's womb, in Mary's womb. And Luke is very careful to record the angel's exact phraseology here, his exact words. Notice there is not the slightest suggestion in this text or any other text in the entire Bible that any human sexual activity is involved in the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, according to the, the angel here, all God, it is all miracle, and it is all supernatural. All right? This is an amazing event. And Gabriel continues speaking to Mary, saying in verse 35, the second half, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Don't you love that? The power of the Most High. Gabriel's using the title, God Most High. We talked a little bit about that on Sunday. This is the all-powerful ruler of heaven and earth. All-powerful. The omnipotent Most High. No one is higher than Jesus Christ. No one. When he acts, no one can stop him. Do you understand that? No one. When he speaks, everyone else is silent because he is the Most High. No one is higher. And the God who made and uphold the universe through his spirit, he alone would create life in Mary's womb. He would do that. Can God do that? Sure he can. The very verb there, will overshadow, is also used of the accounts of the transfiguration. Remember that when the glory cloud overshadowed, it descended upon Peter, James, and John. And that overshadow there, that particular verb, means to encompass, to surround, and in a metaphorical sense, to influence. So the power, the creative, the influence of the Spirit of God will overshadow Mary to produce a child in her womb. Then verse 35, and catch these titles, all right? Look at verse 35. It says, for that reason, the holy child, the holy child, shall be called the what? Son of God. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. The holy child will become the, the son of God. That's right. Interesting enough, you, you don't want to miss the obvious here. Now, sometimes we read that. We go, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Wait a minute. Are you missing the point? The angel's declaring to Mary, and Luke is reminding us that Jesus is one of a kind. There is no other holy child. There's only one holy child. Just one. Not like any other infant who is born in sin. No, Jesus would be a holy child unlike every other baby that's born, everyone who's ever lived. Everyone. Everyone in this room and everyone in history since the beginning of time, understand, has, with the single exception of the Lord Jesus Christ, has been born a sinner. A sinner. A sinner in character. A sinner by nature. Every baby born is a cute bundle of defiance. <laughs> defiance. A, a sinnerling. That little baby, a sinnerling. Yes, babies are awesome, I get it. But they are disobedient in nature. And if you want to debate that tonight, just right now, if you would, exit and go and help at the two-year-olds, okay? <laughs> and you will know that they, to the core of their being, are sinnerlings. They are. David made this really clear. In Psalm 51, verse 5, he says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, David's not talking and stating that he was an illegitimate child, uh, but from the time of his conception, he was a sinner. A sinner. But Christ was, is, 
and always will be one of a kind, a holy child, the sinless son of God. Look at those verses in your outline, if you would. I'll, I'm just going to do some f- certain phrases from each one of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew what? No sin. He knew no sin. He knew no sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Who committed no what? No sin. Nor was any deceit found in his mouth ever. 1 John 3, 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is what? No sin. No sin. The Bible declares this. Never did he once sin. Never did he once lie. Never did he once cheat or steal or have a lustful thought. Never once did any of that occur in the holy child, Jesus Christ. Every single person here, every human being ever been born is born sinners because as a race of people, we fell in Adam. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, in Adam all die. And Romans chapter 5, verse 19, through one man's Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. All of us made sinners as a result of that. We're separated from God because of our sin. As a race of people, we, we choose to go our own way. We do our own thing. We sometimes make up our own little religion. Even in, We sometimes invent our own kind of Christianity. And we defy God's will. We ignore God for our lives. We dist our creator. And like sheep, we have actually uh, really wandered away from the shepherd of our souls. We have. Now, that means this, practically. All of us have lied at some point. All of us have lusted at some point. All of us have been angry, murdered in our hearts. All of us have deserved eternal punishment, separated from God forever in hell because of our sin. Now, interesting, interesting observation of the last four months at FBC. Once a month, thus far, we're, we're, we're batting a thousand. Once a month, people actually leave our services because, right in the middle of the services, because we mention they're sinners. It's true. We're, we're, we're hearing it from their very mouths. Their religion doesn't involve sin. They want salvation. They want Christianity. They want to be right with God, but they don't want to talk about sin. Interesting enough, this is a holy child. It hurts them. So, so you, you cannot go to heaven unless your sin is dealt with because you have a holy, perfect God. And sin can't be in his presence. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Therefore, physical death and everlasting death. And so our sinfulness is so bad it, it has saturated our hearts so completely, we will actually literally, some people, destroy themselves or we will actually hurt the people we love. That's how bad sin is. We're so sinful, we cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot repair ourselves. So God devised an incredible plan. And it starts with Christmas. It starts with the birth of Jesus Christ. He would make us right. If we respond to him, and if a human could pay the wages of sin and die in our place, he'd have to be perfect, though. That human would have to be perfect. He'd have to be holy like a holy child. And without sin, and his death for sin could then satisfy God's holiness, that person was Jesus Christ. That's why he was born. And in a moment beyond human comprehension, Jesus, fully human, yet completely sinless, completely perfect, he was the, verse 35, holy child from conception, and therefore the explanation of how he could be holy in Mary's womb is shrouded in the unfathomable mystery of the incarnation, but God did it on Christmas. God accomplished that in Christmas. 
I'm sure you caught Luke's second definition of Christ, and that is that he is the perfect Son of God. Did you see that there? Son of God. Because his nature is that of God himself. He is God himself. God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son are one nature. Three persons, one God. And the term Son of God here signifies that Jesus is by nature the Son of God. Manifested in human flesh. God in a bod. God incarnate. God made flesh. In fact, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 declares that Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact reputation of his nature. When you saw Christ, you saw who? God. God. So he as God could then pay the price for sin and have that be acceptable to God. And since he had no sin of his own, Mary's mouth right now must have dropped open ever so slightly, pointing to number three in your outline, and that's God's sign to Mary. God's sign to Mary. Mary didn't ask for a sign to remove her puzzlement. Uh, God graciously gave her a sign. He did, to strengthen her faith. And that divine sign involved the much older relative, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, take a look at verse 36. Look at it. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her, what? Old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Now, through the genealogies that are given in Luke, we know that Mary was related to Elizabeth through her mother. And in the text of Luke here, we already have met Elizabeth, who would be soon to be the mother of John the Baptist. And the sign given to Mary is shocking news. Mary's relative Elizabeth, this older woman, has conceived a son in her old age. This is amazing, and this is an encouragement to Mary. That's why it's listed here. Mary was well aware that Elizabeth was barren, that she couldn't have children. She's past childbearing age. Mary must have been amazed here and overjoyed to hear that Elizabeth now, who was disrespectfully called barren, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Sixth month. So the miracle for Elizabeth was one of conception in her old age. But the greatest miracle that ever occurred, friends, in fact, in C.S. Lewis's book on miracles, he says the greatest miracle that ever occurred was the virgin birth, the conception directly from God as a virgin. But Elizabeth's conception was a sign from God to Mary that he, God, is still able to perform miracles. She's, she's hearing this and recognizing the fact that, wow, God can do that? God can do that. It's a sign that God can do the humanly impossible. Can God do the humanly impossible? Yes, he can. Thank you for all two of you who said yes. God gave the sign not because Mary doubted the angel's words, but to provide an anchor for her faith while in her pregnancy that some would perceive as illegitimate. It would be an anchor for her that she was pregnant out of wedlock and that she was pregnant through miraculous means. It would be an encouragement to her. So Gabriel, an incredible being who stands in the presence of God, affirms, number four in your outline, God's great superiority. God's great superiority. Look at verse 37, all right? Got to look at it. Come on, don't look at me. Look at that verse, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Read it out loud with me. Everybody ready? For nothing will be impossible with God. It is one thing to say something will happen. It's another thing to make something happen. And this is what God's going to do. 
Mary realized what she heard was humanly impossible. How can this happen? I am a virgin. I've never had relations with a man. How can I be pregnant? Okay, how can this possibly occur? Well, Gabriel reminds Mary that because of God's unlimited power, nothing is impossible for him, and the proof he offers is Elizabeth's old age conception of John, John the Baptist. And because Mary knew her Bible, she would also remember Isaac's birth. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Remember how old they were? Anybody know? Yeah, 90 and 100. Okay, that's pretty old to have babies. Anybody with me? Okay, understand. And yet, what did God and how did he respond to Sarah? Genesis 18, Sarah laughed to herself after she hears this, saying, after I have become old, I shall have pleasure. My Lord being old also, that's Abraham, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Oh, <laughs> saying, shall I indeed bear a son when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Answer, no. no. And at the appointed time, I will return to you. And at this time next year, Sarah, you will have a son. What's your dilemma tonight? What's your big struggle tonight? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything impossible for him? Can you trust him? You can. Nothing's too difficult. So this miracle of Elizabeth and Zacharias given as a proof and an encouragement to Mary would also be miraculous as well. And so therefore Mary herself giving birth as a virgin would be miraculous, the most miraculous, and yet possible by the one true God, the creator, the redeemer, uh, who is able to do the impossible. The impossible. God whose power knows no limits. Uh, you think about the most powerful things you can even imagine in this universe, and God's power supersedes that by our broadest imaginations. He has no limits in his power. He, he is not bound by the laws of nature that he created, and he can accomplish anything consistent with his holy nature and his holy purposes. God can do that. And Gabriel's reminder of what God had done in the past reassures Mary of his power to keep his word to her in the future because nothing is impossible for God. So how does she respond? How should you respond? Well, look at number five in your outline, Mary's humble submission. Her humble submission. It says in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Wow, what a statement. And the angel departed from her. Mary also knew about Hannah. Remember Hannah? Hannah who gave birth to Samuel the prophet. Hannah responded to the news of her coming birth, calling herself God's maidservant. God's maidservant. Mary, in Luke here, calls herself the slave of God. Don't you love that? Lord, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. It's really not an option for me. I'm going to do what you call me to do, even though this is incredible. This is unbelievable, and it is absolutely devastating socially, and yet she's, yes, Lord, she says, may it be done to me according to your word. Without regard for the implications or the dangers or the risks or the social stigma, she faithfully trusts in a sovereign purpose of her Savior and God, and that, my friends, is truly Mary's magnificence. Her willingness to immediately submit to this amazing event that we're celebrating tonight. Incredible. Friends, Mary is, is not the Catholic Queen of Heaven. Uh, she is certainly not the co-redemptrix 
of saving grace. That's heresy. That's a, that's a pagan distortion. Mary submits to God's will here. She later, in this chapter, says, God is my Savior, admitting her need for a Savior over her sin. And then you find her in Acts chapter 2, waiting with all the other believers for the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. Understand who Mary is. Mary is the sinner who gives birth to the sinless one. Mary is in need of a Redeemer, and she gives birth to the one who would redeem her. Mary is a created being, and she gives birth, are you ready, to her creator. Wow. So Mary's dramatic encounter with an angel, Gabriel, is the introduction to Christmas Day that we celebrate tomorrow. Notice it ends with a simple postscript, the angel departed from her. His mission accomplished, Gabriel returns to the presence of God and face-to-face being with God the God-man will be born, all right? The only begotten Son of God, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. The divine Redeemer, the holy offspring, the sovereign King will reign in a kingdom that will last forever, forever. The Creator perfectly lived among his creation and then suffered and died for the sins of his chosen children, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and will return again. Now, you could be here tonight, and you could say, you know what? Yeah, I got all this religious stuff, and yeah, I like Jesus. He's cool. Listen, friends, you, you cannot earn your own salvation. You, you cannot be good enough. You can, you can try to work your way to heaven, but you're going to fail. No one's going to make it on their own efforts, and that's why God came No human being can ever make themselves right with God, so God had to do the work for us. And that's why Jesus was born in that little manger. That's why Joseph and Mary had to get to Bethlehem so they could fulfill prophecy. That's why this whole process of Christmas began, so that he could be God and man and die on our behalf and please the Father and accomplish salvation that you can't do. You cannot die for my sins. You cannot die for your own sins. You can only die in your sins. Christ can die for you because he has no sin of his own. He's the holy child. And the Bible tells us there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's forgiven. That's a home in heaven. Listen, when people stand over you at your funeral and they say you're in a better place, that's only true if you're in Christ. That's only true if you're in Christ, because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Christ, through me. Get this. Turn from your sin and repentance. In other words, stop living your life the way you want and do what God wants. And then surrender your life to Christ by faith. And when salvation is genuine... It's true, your faith will work. You will follow Christ. You will want to obey God's word. You'll want to submit to his word, just like Mary submitted. You'll say, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. Even when you fail to, you'll say, whatever you want, and you will be forgiven. You will be born again. You will be made new. You will be cleansed. But it will be only through Jesus Christ, exchanging all that you are for all that he is. You say, why only Christ? Because he, Jesus Christ, alone is one of a kind.
Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that tonight we would celebrate you and that we would glorify you and that we would honor you with how we respond to your word. Just a simple message, but a message that calls us to see you as the God who does the impossible, who can accomplish these things, but you had a reason. And the reason, the purpose behind all of this was to accomplish our salvation, to make things right between us and you. And Father, I would pray that any here who do not know you, who know about you, who maybe prayed a prayer or walked an aisle once, but they don't know who you are. They don't know you intimately and personally. You haven't changed their heart. You haven't caused them to be born again. Would you then crack through that deception? And would you help them to see their desperate need to cry out to you to give them a new heart that would respond in faith, that would respond in repentance, that would would follow you as Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We would truly be your sheep. Father, we live in a day that undermines all of this. And Father, there are people who want to dismiss this. But this has held true since the beginning of time and will be true for eternity future. And it is just as true tonight. We pray, Father, that we might respond to that even as your believers, even as your children, that we would celebrate the fact of what you did, the miracle you did in becoming a man, the willingness of Mary to respond to the angel's proclamation, and that we might be willing, whatever you've put in our path, to trust you and to honor you. And Father, we pray now that as we conclude our time, that you would be glorified again by how we respond And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast. And a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.